0: What's up, Financial Residency? I am your host, Daniel Wren, and I'm excited to do another one of these question and answer shows, which we'll be doing more in the future. For now, we're going to be just grabbing some topics that have been hit on in the Facebook group to talk about. But in the future, we'll kind of see how it evolves. For the time being, just feel free to throw out questions if you have specific questions or things you feel like would be good to talk about. Please feel free to throw those in the physician finance Facebook Facebook group, and we'll be grabbing questions from there to chat on in the in the short term. I am also excited to introduce my co-host for today, Jeff Winger, my boy Jeff. Jeff, you want to throw out a little intro?
1: Oh boy, I'm your boy. Yeah, I am Jeff Winger, and I am a certified financial planner that works by day with Daniel Wren at at Wren Financial Planning, but just love getting into personal finance, and I got there. Th- My own journey to personal finance was actually through the FIRE movement. Mm -hmm. turns out I love my job, so I don't know if I'll retire, but that's how I met Daniel in the first place. And so a little bit of a different journey there.
0: Yep. You're a FIRE turned just FI focused. You dropped the RE.
1: That's right. Just FI.
0: Yeah, so Jeff and I work by day working with families one-on-one, helping them through planning, physician families. And so we have a lot of experience, like, you know, in the thick of the families that we work with. Uh, But our goal with this show is to kind of talk through kind of more educational, general content. But also, we want to make sure we're answering your questions and talking about, you know, the things you want to talk about. So that's kind of the purpose behind this is we want to really throw out questions, encourage questions, talk about it, because that's what matters most. We want to make sure we're covering the topics that are most important to you. So, So we'll just... We're going to cover one question. We can talk about these things. So you got two finance geeks on this. So we can probably talk about any one of these questions for hours. So we're going to keep it to like, you know, 10 minutes max. Maybe we'll shoot for even five. Let's say five and then we'll cap it at 10 as far as talking about it. So question we're going to cover today. So question came up in the Physician Finance Facebook group. That's a tongue twister kind of. Physician Finance Facebook group. So a question came up about utmas versus i bonds for saving for college education, you know, which one is the best route. So Jeff, you want to kick this thing off?
1: Sure. So I think the question delineates just two options at this point. So maybe it's a good thing to start with what those two options are. Yeah. Right? And so maybe I'll just kick it back to you real quick. Can you quickly tell us what is an utma or an ugma?
0: Yeah, so UTMA or UGMA, it kind of varies based on which state you're in. It's basically an account the adult sets up, and it's owned technically by a minor, a a child. So a lot of times parents will set up UTMA or UGMA accounts for their children, and by doing so, they're setting up an account in their child's name, and it's called an UTMA. People usually call it an UTMA when we're when they're talking about investment accounts. And so the UTMA is basically the investment account that the parent sets up for the child. And there's some special rules that, you know, follow based on it being an UTMA. It's like the kiddie tax rules come into play, which there's a little bit. Of, the way I explain it is there's a little bit of tax benefit that comes with an UTMA is the big advantage to it. The big downside to it is that the child owns it. So when they become an adult depending on the state that they're in what they define that as when they become an adult they have full control over it so that's typically you know considered the downside so that's what an utma is basically just a normal investment account but in the children's name and you get a little bit of tax benefit check out the kitty tax rules for more info on that downside is they get control of it
1: all right so that's a good summary of the utma
0: high bonds Nobody was talking about I-bonds like six months ago, right? Right. Ago.
1: Those, are, those are pretty cool these days. A lot of press about I-bonds right now.
0: Yeah. You want to do I-bonds or I'll- Sure.
1: I'll give a brief overview of I-bonds. Yeah. Right Tell now. us about I-bonds. So I-bonds are bonds that are linked to inflation. And so traditionally speaking, they go with inflation. They adjust their rates every six months. They can have a tax benefit in the future, Where if you were going to use it for education, it can be tax-free on the growth there, the interest component of it. But so the big thing is it tracks inflation, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2022,
0: inflation's a little bit higher than it has been in the past, right? Right. What's interesting is I've never once seen... So we get to talk to hundreds and hundreds of families about their money. I've never once seen someone with I-bonds as their education savings vehicle. Right. Have yeah. you Jeff?
1: I No, I don't have I don't I can't recall one one person that has had those prior to this year with the yeah. plan of
0: education. Right. And if you so the reason I think that is is because inflation is normally not very good. I mean, not inflation is what it is. That's like all it is just like your dollars becoming less valuable. So this vehicle is going to return exactly what the inflation rate is that's how it's designed right so it's a government bond that's basically just pinned to inflation it's the only really true way to kind of track with inflation but right long-term inflation is basically just breaking even is the way i view it it's like if your dollar is just at is just returning what inflation is your dollar is basically worth the same thing as what it was before so I think that's the problem with education savings. You know, normally you're talking about a longer term goal. Now, if we're talking about you're saving for education next year, IBON is a home mm. run. Like you can't beat that. If you need, say you need to spend $10,000 on your kids tuition, education expenses next year, let's say 12 months plus. So there's a I bonds work especially well when you got 12 months at least. But you're only going to need to do it for a year. I You know, I bonds are great because you just can't find anything that's going to pay that kind of rate. The problem is most people are like, well, no, no, I'm saving. My child was just born or I have a young child and I'm saving for their education 15 plus years from now.
1: Yeah. Help me out, Daniel. I just had a daughter a month ago. Right. And yeah. So, you know, I don't think I just want to have my dollars that I put away for that just kind of stay, keep their purchasing power. I think we want to probably grow those
0: some. Yeah, I mean, ideally, right, you're going to, you know, at least you want to beat inflation. To me, that's the baseline is we at least want to be higher than inflation. And so that's the whole problem with the I-bonds is like best case or it is what it is. You're going to keep pace with inflation and that's what it is. And not only not even education inflation, like you're keeping pace with overall inflation. So if college costs inflate higher than inflation, you're basically losing out. So long-term goal, the problem with I-bonds, so that's the big downside with I-bonds, is long-term inflation is kind of like the baseline of what keeping pace with your dollar maintaining the same value. And typically it doesn't work well for a long-term savings vehicle if you want to you know, maximize your return. But the upside is it's high right now, inflation. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I've got a 16 or 17 year
1: old, like you said, that's not a bad idea.
0: It No. Now there are caps, right? So you can only put in 10,000 a year and I bonds. Well, I think you can put an extra five in on top of that if you do some.
1: Yeah, you can do some wiggle, some little financial gymnastics and get some more in there too. But yep, for the bang for the buck, I think $10,000 per person is yeah. really kind of the easy route.
0: And you got to go on the uh, Treasury Direct website and there's, you know, you can do it all through the website, put in 10,000 per individual. And so, yeah, I mean, that could be a great short term education route. The um, UDMA, I know I'm getting into like the solutions more maybe before we go further down in the solutions. What's the other big vehicle we got? There's two more I think of. But what's the other one we haven't mentioned?
1: Whole life cash value insurance.
0: That's a joke. He's not laughing, but that's a joke.
1: I'm sorry. The How about the 529
0: education? There plan? you go, Jet. There you go. Yeah, whole life is not good. So, yeah, 529 is the most commonly used education savings vehicle. Pro. The advantage to it is it is tax-free if you use it for education expenses. And the parent can still maintain control. So you don't have that downside that you had with the UTMA account and giving up control. So parent can maintain control, tax efficient if you use it for education. Big downside, though, is has to be used for education or else it loses out on the tax benefit. Plus, you have to pay a 10% penalty. So 529, if you know for sure you're going to write checks for education, you really can't. It's hard to beat that, but. A lot of times, especially with young kids, they're like, well, I don't know. I don't want to be tied in. And and then the last vehicle I'll throw out is like you could just invest in your own name and kind of earmark it for education. So you're not getting all these tax benefits for thrown throwing out, but you have maximum control over it. So it's kind of like the UPMA. You get the control, but when they become an adult, you still have the control if you need to keep it. But the downside is you don't get those tax benefits. So I think with all those four vehicles deciding between them in my experience working with people they kind of want to figure out just one option and they're like what's the right choice and usually in my experience on the saving for it side and on the funding for it side it's not one choice that actually ends up being used it's more like a combo approach and so that's the way i like to look at it is like let's Think of this more from a combo standpoint, like you're probably going to be, you know, maybe using multiple vehicles. You might even be using cash flow at the time of education on top of it all. So you don't have to do all or none. So with the 529, I think that's really helpful when you're thinking about it. It does not have to be all or none. Maybe you could think of it like we're just going to save for 25% of anticipated costs through the 529. Because I have six kids and I know for sure I'm at least going to have to fund one of their education. They're really smart, but like one of them at least is going to need help for me to fund education. And so you can kind of like pare down that percentage and use the 529 as like a baseline and then build on top of that.
1: Right. So, yeah, I guess that sounds like a good way to do it, right? (laughs) Is to have some of that tax regrowth. In fact, some states even have a tax deduction for putting some money in there.
0: Yep, I'm in Ohio. That's one of them. Yeah, Indiana's the best of all. If you live in Indiana, they have the best tax benefit for funding the five two nine plans. Indiana's
1: good. Got to make sure you actually put it on your tax return, though. See, that's correct.
0: That's um, a classic thing that people forget.
1: But yeah, that's maybe that's getting away from our discussion (laughs) right now. (laughs) Back on
0: topic. Back on topic. But yeah, so all right, so I could
1: put some in a 529 plan, I get a little tax break. Now, it's got tax-free growth and if I'm investing it, yeah. Should I expect to beat inflation
0: long-term? I mean, nobody knows the future, but we do know the past, and like historically, it's it does beat inflation like historically investments outperform inflation and often, you know, typically by a lot. And so, yes, I mean that—that that would be the expectation—is that these five twenty nines you're able to inv- it allows you to invest, so therefore, you know, you can exceed inflation instead of just keeping pace with it, like like what the I bond would do. Now, that's that exception I gave at the beginning. If you just have one year or two years, probably not. I don't know. I don't think I could say one way or the other. I know if I had one year, I would bet on the I bond. You know?
1: Yeah, I would. I would lean that same way. The- Because you have a guaranteed return, at least for six months there, of of almost 10% right now.
0: Right. And a guarantee
1: on something that's 10% is
0: definitely worth more than usually the uncertainty of potential of more. But what I would hate to see happen is a lot of people, which I see people doing this now, maxing out their I-bonds, and then they just forget about it, kind of. And then it stays there for 20, 30 years like people do with things after they forget about it and it's just back goes back down to boring low returns and there is becomes inefficient right so
1: let's say i'm on board with what you just said and i'm kind of i've got my young kid in fact i got four kids so let's say i've put all four kids in college and there's still money left in the 529 plan and i'm upset cuz i don't like penalties you probably don't like penalties no penalties are, are a negative emotion so
0: yeah, that sucks. I don't Why well, have like what
1: options do I have?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question and there are options. My favorite option is to for the parents to go on like a study abroad trip. <laughs> I've never actually seen somebody do this, but I read an article about somebody. So you could, you know, basically it's very broad like you can use it for education pretty broadly. So like if the parents wanted to get some continu- you know, some education themselves or if they had graduate school costs for another child or the same child or even grandchildren education for them or, you know, there's a lot of additional education alternatives you could kind of redirect those funds to. So I kind of like to look at it like as long as you're confident you're going to be writing checks for education in the future, the 529 makes a whole lot of sense. The other thing is private K through 12 now, like that's another backup option. With the 529, like now you can use it for 10000 a year, up to 10000 a year, K through 12 costs. So you can, if you see that like your kid is like a rock star, or academic or athletic, getting a full scholarship and they're like a sophomore in high school, you could be like, and they're doing private school, max that thing out on private school. Like might as well start taking it out then to, you know, avoid that situation where you have that penalty. So there's a lot of different rarely so we get to see people work through these things rarely do people actually pay penalties more commonly we kind of work our hardest to find alternatives shift the money around to avoid that
1: so i've got an idea maybe we can end with this can you help me out with a general priority system for if you were ranking those four different options so we got the 529 plan the i bonds the UTMA, and the regular investment
0: account in the parents' name,
1: and if you want to throw in whole life insurance, you can.
0: Okay, we'll do whole life insurance. And give it to me for it, are my we gonna daughter. Say, who's, are we going to say dollars? Dollars? We know that are going towards education.
1: Yeah. So let's go with dollars. Let's say I I want to fund like I want I want to fund a public school, public university, and if she goes to a private one, I want to have the ability to help out with that a little bit.
0: Right. So yeah, if we're just talking about that baseline, public university, and your child is young, like ranking wise, I would for sure say 529 is number one, like far and away. Number two would be so what are my other choices? A bond, investment account, whole life. Let's just go ahead and put whole life last, whole life's last. Second to last would be iBond. And now I'm left with number two and number three, which is between UTMA and investment account for the parents, right? That one depends on how much you trust your kid. <laughs> because you're giving up. I don't know.
1: Cause well, I'm... I know my kid's parents, and I know that they would have eaten a lot of pizza with an UTMA. So
0: Yeah, so I would probably lean towards the investment account in the parent's name because when they're really young, it's kind of... Dicey to give up control, you know, to assets already. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's wait to give up control to assets for a little while. So I would go with 529. So what's that order? 529, investment account in the parent's name, UTMA account in the kid's name, I-bonds, whole life insurance. All right. So there's probably like seven or eight things between I-bonds and whole life insurance. So let's just make clear where our priorities are.
1: Yeah, I shouldn't have
0: even have brought that one up. Sorry about that. <laughs> Yeah, it's all good. All right. Well, I think that's enough on education for today. Definitely throw out your questions on the Facebook group. And like I said, we'll be looking for those and we'll cover, you know, one question. We'll try to do this, you know, around once a week and look forward to jumping back on next time. Thanks, Jeff.
1: All right. It's been awesome, Daniel. See yep, you next yep. time.
0: All right. And we would love to get to know you better and see if we might be able to help. Feel free to reach out anytime to schedule an introductory meeting. You can find more info about us at www.rennefinancial.com.